0: I'm Phil Reed from Steve Jackson Games, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris and Jessica talk about creating a character beyond just the stats on the page. In the news, drive RPG and Roll20 former partnership previews of Spelljammer and Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel, the Emmy Award nominations have been announced, and more! Plus, a brand new sketch about a party with a not-ideal replacement for their fighter, this week on Morse's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk.
1: This week's podcast is sponsored by his glorious draconic majesty, Cordis, the almighty, the ever-living flame, destroyer of life, scourge of the northern reaches and the southern reaches and the reaches in between, burner of the unburnt, and killer of uh, bunnies. Did I read that right? All the tabletop are playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial Tabletop RPG
0: Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ. And with me this week, in a big surprise and a massive switcheroo and turnabout from the book compared to what was announced last week, with me is...
2: It's me, Jessica, from EM Publishing, but we have no Peter. And now I do think that they are genuinely avoiding me, as you
0: joked <laughs> last week. So, so, so it was supposed to be peter this week and not you yes but instead it's you and not peter and it's very confusing yeah and you look so similar i'm going to find this extremely confusing
2: well yeah we're practically the same person we have the same opinions almost identical yeah Yeah. well no i was meant to be on a plane going to scotland but plane prices were insane so i'm not going anymore it was going to cost us a grand for two of us to get and also
0: apparently you get COVID on planes
2: and also you can get covid so you know or so we here so I decided not to go and Peter is ill so they are not here so you know it's all worked out there's still two people here on the podcast
0: well hopefully hopefully Peter will be feeling better by next week yes Fing- fingers crossed so,
2: so we can all be reunited as the trio
1: yeah it's time for the Awfully Cheerful Question if you have a question tag us on the socials with hashtag Awfully Cheerful Question or email us at morrispodcast at gmail.com. If we answer it, we'll send you a free book. A free book? We're far too generous, that's what I say.
0: So, our awfully cheerful question this week comes from Anthony, who wants to know. Obviously, there is little need to go beyond Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news for RPG news, obviously. Obviously. But if I were, where should I go? What other news sites do you recommend and why?
2: Well, I would, as well as Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk for RPG News, we, EN World also has This Week in Tabletop RPG podcast, which is less than three minutes. So that would be one place. But I don't feel that properly answers the question. No, I think that's just <laughs> us again, isn't <laughs> it? Is I, think, I so think the question so is us asking again. us again. Yeah, no. But- <laughs> to answer it properly um do you know what instead of going to an official news site what i get most of my news from this week is actually on tiktok because there's a really big tabletop rpg community there and i have chosen to follow and curate my feed um with all those of those people so i generally find out stuff quite quickly there because people are talking about stuff social
0: media yeah
1: so, like, media, yeah, is so always
2: specifically tiktok i find useful for this because other social media like twitter and facebook and things like you just get a cesspool of all sorts of stuff
0: so my Facebook is quite very heavily industry mm-hmm. RPG stuff so yeah. I see I, I mainly see that on Facebook okay. mainly because I dirty secret although I've got an awful lot of Facebook friends I've unfollowed 99% of them right. <laughs> so, so it's very heavily curated He's curated
2: it, yeah I haven't done that to my Facebook so mostly but I find TikTok's really good for that so I Curate, yeah, curated a really nice feed. And there's a nice community of people that talk about yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah. another good site is RPGNews.com. Yes, which is a aggregator which basically takes in feeds from a whole bunch of different news sites, publishers, all sorts of stuff, and just whacks them all onto the one page.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Disclaimer: I made it, so.
2: <laughs> oh, did you?
0: Okay. Yeah, it's mine. But, <laughs> It's, it's it's a nice little site, like, you know. I made it like a, a couple of years ago, and it doesn't require any work because it's automated. It's just RSS yeah. feed, and it all comes in. But that's that's a great sort of casual overall industry kind of thing that mm. that just takes in from big source. But there aren't that many new sites that devoted to RPGs. If you want board games, there's tons of them. Like yeah. but RPGs specifically, there aren't that many.
2: I think a lot of them do have sections that are. RPGs like Dicebreaker, yeah, they, they do board games and stuff, and they have there's a drop down for where you can look at just tabletop RPG yeah. stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, oh,
0: yeah. pretty pretty much every geek culture site has that now. Mm-hmm. But it tends to be quite Dicebreaker's not too bad actually. Dicebreaker's quite good, but a lot mm. of them, if you look at some of the bigger geek culture sites, it is a very very surface level D and D big yeah. announcements only kind of thing. It's yeah. not. A,
2: and that's and that's fine if that's yeah. what you're interested in, I guess. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: But what about podcasts? Do you have any podcast recommendations? Because if people are listening to this, they probably like to partake of their news in a podcast format. Yeah,
0: well, again, because me and Peter used to joke that there aren't really that many RPG news podcasts either. I think mm. when we started this, we were the only one. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of RPG podcasts, but they tend to be either opinion editorial podcasts or they tend to be actual play podcasts. yeah. There aren't that many, or interview podcasts. There aren't yeah. many that do the news each week, and mm-hmm. to be honest, I don't know if there still are. If there are, I'm I'm not familiar with them. Yeah. I mean, there I mean, must there must be some out there. There must be. There can't not be. But I I'm personally not familiar with them. So, like, RPG yeah, news, I don't know not ma- not many sites, not many podcasts focused on that particular subject. We've kind of got a niche there, I think. Yeah. Um, other other people cover it, but not exclusively in the way that we do.
2: Yeah. So, in answer to this person's question, do do we have anything to offer them? Because <laughs> all you Dice, did was Dice say.
0: Dicebreaker's yeah. pretty good. Dicebreaker's yeah. good. Um, I'll tell others that the, I just can't. Geek Native's generally quite good. Mm-hmm. Covers a lot of stuff up as well as um, RPG news. Yeah. Uh, so does Dicebreaker. They, they all do. Hello. Um, yeah. RPGnews.com. Yeah.
2: But that's a game, one that you said you made. Yeah. <laughs> So sorry. okay, I guess, I guess we just say, media. well, to be honest, like where we get our news to make EN world news, we, we're not going off other sites and having a look is what you can glean from this conversation. Mm. But yeah, if you are a listener and you know of other specifically news ones, let us go yeah. actually. So souls
0: does quite a lot of D&D news.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, there's, 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 be, there's, there's people shouting at the podcast right now for the obvious sites that yeah. I've forgotten. Yeah. And which I probably do know about and probably do look at and they're just not entering my head right now. ICV2 is a uh, more of an industry focused news site, but the news tends to be as stuff enters retail, which tends to be sort of three months to a year after we reported on it. Mm-hmm. Because we tend to report on stuff as they're announced or as we hear about them and things like that, whereas ICV2 reports on it as it enters distribution. Yeah.
2: Think- so if you're
0: interested in what's, what you can buy very soon, that's quite a good one.
2: Um, a lot of RPG news sites you see are focusing on like digital RPG games, mm. opposed to tabletop RPG games yeah, as yeah, well. Because yeah, if yeah, you just type yeah, video in, games,
0: yeah.
2: if you just type in like RPG news, you get loads of stuff. Oh, you, can't, you, you, can't use, like, you
0: can't use the term RPG anymore. You've got to say TTRPG. You've got a choice.
2: Yeah.
0: It used to be RPG meant tabletop role playing games, and then RPG video games became a became big thing, a thing and stole the term basically. <laughs>
2: There is a website called tabletopgamingnews.com dot com, and they oh, yeah, that's one yeah. They yeah, have yeah. role playing games on there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's one. Yeah.
2: So yeah. there's another one. Yeah. They do well, board games go. and miniatures and other things as well.
0: Yeah. So do we think we've answered that question?
2: As best we can in the most tried. friendly way <laughs> we've that we tried at least. But <laughs> we've we've we will best. thank you for the question. Uh, we will send you a book.
0: A book. A, book. a copy who, of Awfully Cheerful Engine. but one that's to Anthony. Yes. Cool. Right, news, 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 news. news. Lots of, there's lots. There
2: of is news. lots of news this week. There's, there's lots news, of weeks. really interesting news.
0: Should we start with Roll Twenty and Drive for RPG? Yes. Isn't that a good one? Yeah. Okay. So they are teaming up. Now, what's interesting about this is mm-hmm. they've announced that they are joining forces. Yes. And you'll be able to sort of cross-pollinate content from each on the other. It's not 100% clear whether it's a merger whether it's a new venture, whether one's buying the other. And I've read through the press release lots of times, and it's not really clear, but yeah. I kind of get the feeling, and I'm not saying this is the case, kind of get the feeling that World 20 is kind of a quiet try for RPG. It's kind of like the vibe I'm getting from that press release. But it doesn't say that explicitly. It just uses terms like we're joining forces and... Yeah, it doesn't use any kind of technical legal terms at all. It's just well,
2: in terms of any like technical legal thing. So the CEO of Roll Twenty is Ankit Lal.
0: They and are going to, yeah, really,
2: they're yeah. CEO of that. Whilst the one bookshelf CEO Steve uh, Wick, I believe yeah. his name is pronounced. Yeah, yeah. he's going to join the governing board and executive team on Roll Twenty.
0: Yeah, he's going to be president. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it sounds like an actual merger, doesn't it?
2: It does sound like a merger rather
0: than a partnership venture. But it's not. It it isn't super clear. I'm not sure how it how it works.
2: Yeah, I
0: think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I don't really know exactly how it's going to work. I've got some mock ups of how it's going to look, which is quite interesting. And you've got like a roll twenty table with dice, electronic roll twenty dice on it, Mm -hmm. and tokens and stuff, which seems to look a lot nicer than any roll twenty game I've ever played. But anyway. (laughs) and um, it's got a pop-up window there with what looks like a pdf in it
2: yes you can have your pdf collection like right there for you
0: but i can have the pdf window open anyway when i'm playing world 20 yeah i guess it's
2: just another place your online collection is stored and maybe the players can access it as well is that what that means as well i don't know
0: i don't know i I, I I honestly don't know
2: i wonder how it's going to go in terms of integration like what it Work stuff out for you, like if you're like, you say, I'm gonna roll this, you know, how like because you'd
0: have to, you as the PDF maker would have to do all that because
2: that's what I was thinking. Because we upload a lot of our stuff onto, yeah, there's there's
0: certainly no way we can do a roll 20 version of everything we upload onto Drive Through RPG. We couldn't
2: get through the back catalogue because there's just so much stuff on there, yeah,
0: yeah. It's just, I I was doing
2: our sales report the other day and there's some stuff that was put up ages ago, I don't even know what it is. Yeah, yeah. so I was intrigued as to how that functionally... I think
0: it's literally just a PDF in a window, I think, I don't know. There needs to be some kind of AI that is able to look at the PDF and extract the mechanics from it and then use those mechanics in some way. That's a lot. That sounds like a long way in the future, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, but maybe it just means you can search and purchase via Roll20 through DriveThruRPG. I guess so, so. if you're on yeah. there, you can...
0: Well, definitely, they've got a mock-up of the DriveThruRPG page. And you know, basically, when you buy a PDF and mm-hmm. it, you get a PDF and it says PDF plus soft cover and stuff. And they've also yeah. got here PDF plus Roll20 on the mock-up. So you can just choose to buy the Roll20 version along with the PDF. And I assume that just automatically updates your Roll20... Library, yeah. Library, I guess? I don't
2: but know. I'm sure we'll find more information as we go. But it has been described as a joint venture. So it doesn't yeah. sound like one company's bought the other. They probably just have some legal shares of stuff. And um...
0: I think it's kind of deliberately slightly vague on that. It's like, you know, they don't really want to talk about the technical way it's happening. They're just saying it's happening. Yeah. And they're working together. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. Don't it's don't exciting
2: know. though. It's got possibilities.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, so Roll20 is basically the biggest plat- virtual tabletop platform out there. Mm-hmm. Try-through RPG is the biggest
2: Digital, RPG
0: yeah. PDF platform out there. Yeah. Them combining basically makes... And also they've got Dungeon Master's Guild as well, which they announced last week or the week before mm-hmm. was going to be appearing on Roll20 as well now.
2: I wonder if this is a play up getting ready for... Because Wizards of the Coast bought D&D Beyond
0: mm-hmm. and
2: they have they haven't announced anything, but there have been murmurs that Maybe they're looking to do some sort of virtual tabletop sort of thing. So maybe well, they this is, yeah. in a
0: survey. They've previewed like screenshots mm. of a virtual tabletop. Exactly. Yeah.
2: So I wonder if Roll Twenty is gearing up to be a competitor for Wizards of the Coast. Well, whatever they do, they've got
0: the Dungeon Masters Guild stuff on there as well, which they announced like last week or the week before. Yeah. Which is working with Wizards of the Coast, not competing. So I don't know. Maybe don't know.
2: they will are going to work with Wizards of the Coast and it's going to be like a mega conglomerate then. What, Wizards of the Coast is going (laughs) to acquire both of them as well? Yeah, imagine.
0: That would be an awful lot under the roof of one company. I know, that makes me feel
2: a bit anxious. That would be too much. As an indie (laughs) tabletop RPG company, I'm like, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah, that's. uh, I already feel like David standing
2: next to a Goliath. That'll just make it worse. I'll be like, oh, I'm an ant standing next to Goliath. (laughs) Great.
0: Yeah. I don't know. This is one of the stories. Just keep an eye on it and see what happens, I guess.
2: Yeah. But I think that this will be, it's interesting for users, for the functionality, but I think it's also very interesting in terms of the industry, in Mm. terms of, yeah, what, what this means and...
0: Yeah. And what that means for other virtual tabletop platforms, like Fantasy mm. Grounds, yeah, Foundry, places mm. like that. I mean, World 20 is already the biggest. I guess that makes it even harder for them to compete. Don't know. Don't know.
2: Yeah. That's what I mean. It's interesting. It's got, don't know the answers, but speculations at this point.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's that's yeah. an interesting
2: piece of the news that jumped out at me this week.
0: Yeah. I'll yeah. Well, keep an eye on it. See what happens.
2: Speaking of mega corporations, would you like to talk about the Wizards of the Coast
0: announcements this week? The uh, Wizards of the Coast announcements? Yes. I'll Go talk on, about man. it
2: then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's what I thought you were going to do that. While. Okay. So they provided loads of uh, teasers and previews. Um, so a really big one. Well, the first was a very minor thing, which was on uh, a, a, an offhand tweet that people got very really excited about. So we're expecting in 2024, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, update. 5.5, or whatever it's going to be, and the executive producer Ray Winnegar, uh, Inigo, he, yeah. yeah, he tweeted about a meeting, uh, that he had and said, and in the thread, said, You'll get a first look at some of the new design work soon.
0: Hmm. That so, offhand comment, yes, and it really doesn't say anything, it does generated so far over 400 replies on my site. I mean, yeah. it's it's, so, it's taken off, it's also very vague and. Yeah, you know, it could be anything. Couldn't yeah,
2: it? it could be anything, but I think people are excited because I think people are keen to see what's going on. Yeah, with you know that's going to be in twenty twenty four because it's well, not it's like... two years
0: away still though. It's, got but a bit in terms of,
2: time. of like business for RPG companies, that's not that far away. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean they've got to start. Well, they've, they, yeah, they have definitely started working on it without a Yeah, doubt.
2: Well, yeah.
0: yeah, I think they they probably go off to print quite close to release. Yeah, i imagine. So about three months or so. Don't know. Don't know. Do you but, not know. Anyway,
2: that was the first bit of news, which well, isn't really news, but a lot of people were talking about it, so I wanted to bring it up. Mm. So maybe in the upcoming amount of time we will have an update to share about that. But
0: Did you see yeah, the spelljammer ships?
2: Yeah, that was the that's the actual thing.
0: Yeah. But so, yeah. So
2: so yeah, so they sent the preview of all the spelljammer ships and things like that. And the art it looks really great. There's yeah. images on the EM World news site, so if you want to have a look at what we're talking about, if Got you on the news July fifteenth, they, they all one look
0: fly. They all look very like a
2: organic and almost yeah. like other creatures. They look like insects or turtles, or one of them there's, looks there's like a There's a couple that look actually
0: like ships, I think. There's a couple there that are yeah. definitely sort of galleon-like, but there's, yeah, there's yeah. turtles and insects and stuff like that. They,
2: as well. So it seems very cool. I like that approach.
0: Yeah, I'm not super familiar with Spelljammer from back in the day. I never played it. You I've got that. the box set upstairs, and I've never really gotten a chance to use it. So I'm not. I'm far, far from an expert on spelljammer, but at least that art is gorgeous. I like the look of the ships,
1: mm-hmm.
0: especially yeah, the so first one, the weird spidery one. That looks pretty cool. Yeah,
2: that's what I mean about insecty, organic type yeah. ship things. And it makes yeah, because I like things like that. Because I think when you have a campaign that has a ship on it, it's really great if the ship becomes almost a personality and something you invest in.
0: The USS like Enterprise that. effect. Like, the Enterprise exactly. is a character on the show,
2: isn't it? 100%. And yeah, like that well, the Millennium Falcon
0: yeah. is a character on the show.
2: Yeah, and in yeah. the Starcross Seaway, the sea lettuce <laughs>
0: exactly. is a character. Kind of- exactly. And they're, they're yes. also
2: planning to upgrade that to make that a haven as well, which functionally mm-hmm. is very cool mechanically and level up. But anyway, but yeah, these these ships look really cool, and the artwork's really nice. So take a look at it over on EN World if you want to have a look. Mm. And also, if you're excited for Spelljam, which I can tell you are, uh, Russ. D D Beyond has released a Spelljammer Academy, which oh, is four yes. adventures. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it's only be... only
0: one so far, but yeah. Four but it's designed current. for
2: people like you that are not familiar with the concepts of spelljammer setting. I'm not
0: familiar with the basic concepts.
2: I know, I'm, but I'm just I'm no. All right, <laughs> fine. But anyway, for anyone else, but the first adventure is called Orientation, and it's available for free on your D and D Beyond account, so you can go pick that up yeah. if you're excited for that. But if you if you're like no, I'm going to wait for the actual thing, you don't have that long to wait because it is in a month's time. It's August 16th. It's really close, yeah, yeah. August 16th next month. Uh, the box set will be available. Spelljammer: Adventures mm. in Space. Um,
0: I'm, see, I'm I'm probably not going to pick up Spelljammer, but Dragonlance is the one I'm waiting for coming after like, yeah. that. Yeah, I'm. I'm I to. also
2: will not be picking up Spelljammer because my D&D campaign I'm playing in now we're going to transition into a level up campaign. I'm pretty sure. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, and also it's seventy dollars for the Spelljammer's um, yeah, uh, yeah, box, yeah. which is like, which is an investment for an RPG. If you're excited for it and it's what you know you're going to play your next campaign, great. But Yeah, it's more than your average
0: hardcover, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and it's not I don't think my group are planning on on running that, so I I probably won't get it myself. Talk
0: about D and D settings. Yes. So Ben Riggs, whose Mm -hmm. book Slaying the Dragon, comes out like in a couple of weeks now, and this is a sort of detailed look at the history of TSR era D and D from like the seventies through the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, has, and basically he's gotten hold of tons of documentation and receipts and accounts and all sorts of things to put this book together. Um, interviewed people, you know, loads of stuff. So, he's been releasing sales figures over the last week or so, a couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. just to promote the book. So, you know, this is all in the book. So, um, we talked about it a little bit last week. Were
2: you
0: here last?
2: I was not here last week. It was Peter's turn to babysit you. we are the same person. Paris, I,
0: spoke so. about, I spoke to somebody about it last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, um, so um, this, but this, and, and there's a lot of them. And at some point when he's kind of finished releasing them all, I'm going to do it like a, a compilation summary article. Because yeah. at the moment he's, he's doing it every day and there's too much to keep up with. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait until then and do a compilation summary article looking at all the figures. But there was one that jumped out at me today. Mm-hmm. And uh, he released um the figures for AD&D setting sales comparisons between 1979 and
2: 1998.
0: Okay. By which there's always been things on the internet where people sort of go, what's the best classic setting? What's your favorite classic setting? And they argue about which one sold the best and which one this and this, which mm-hmm. one that and all this sort of stuff. We've got actual figures now. Yeah. About which classic setting sold the best. Mm-hmm. So, yesterday he released the figures for one, two, three, four, five, six settings. Mm-hmm. And today, presumably after we've finished recording, he's going to release the figures for the rest. Okay. So, so far he's released the figures for look, Greyhawk, Dragonlance, Forgotten Realms, Spelljammer, Dark Sun, and Ravenloft.
2: And what's what's the word? What was the best selling? So,
0: best selling Forgotten Realms, obviously. Mm hmm. No surprise there. Followed by Greyhawk, followed by Dragonlance, then Ravenloft, and then we're getting into the really low figures, Dark Sun and Spelljammer are really low.
2: Yeah, we I mean,
0: comparatively, I mean, we as, mentioned as, this as, compared to our sales figures, they're enormous, but you know I what mean, I mean, you,
2: but. Yeah, less. right. <laughs> but, like, we mentioned this before, because I think when they first announced Spelljammer, or teased it, we said it's strange that that's the one they're choosing to revive because it didn't mm. sell really well. Well, maybe that's why, because they're like, do you know what? This didn't sell very well, but it's a setting that really should, and we really love it, so we're going to give it another go.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: I wonder if it's that.
0: Well, so the ones that they visited so far are uh, Forgotten Mounds for most of the books. They did Ravenoff for two books, I think, Curse of Stride, and then the Ravenoff Source book later. Mm hmm. And Spelljammer is coming up. So they're the three that they've actually visited. So the the most popular one and two of the least popular ones, right. which is odd. And then they've got Dragonnance coming up. Greyhawk, they kind of touched on in Ghost of Saltmarsh, but haven't really done anything with. And Sun, they haven't touched at all. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know. I think Planescape will probably be higher when he releases those figures. I feel like that's a big one.
2: And we're going to find that later today, did you say?
0: In theory, yeah, yeah, okay. but presumably well, I'll, I'll take really a finish. look on
2: the news side and update yeah, it on there yeah, it, yeah.
0: Look. Well, I'm going to update this article, so I'll put a link in the show notes to this article. And mm-hmm. as soon as Ben releases the figures, I'm going to add them to this same article, so they're all in the one article.
2: Oh, that's good, yeah.
0: So it's all in one place.
2: Easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, that is interesting. It is interesting knowing what. And the, when this is the sale figures, I'm assuming that's the volume of sales opposed to, like, the revenue.
0: Unit sales, yeah. Yeah, yeah. unit sales, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and these are just like the core, the core sales, the core setting product, whether mm. that's the core hardcover or the core box set or whatever. It's not like every supplement for that setting or every yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. So it's yeah. just a single core driving product. Yeah, it's interesting to see. I mean, it's no big surprise, I suppose, but it definitely settles some internet arguments because <laughs> people could just point to those figures and then yeah, the that's arguments not... over. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. But that
2: is it. D- I mean, what sold the best, and what is your favorite, and what you think? is the best in terms of creativity and stuff, is an argument that you cannot point to figures to, to resolve. There
0: are some people who literally say something's so better, therefore it is better. Oh, wow. There are people that take that stance on the internet.
2: Well, I guess they're keeping up they with Kardashians' peak culture there. I know, and, <laughs> uh, and
0: uh, McDonald's is peak food. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> it's the best food is McDonald's because, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's an interesting opinion.
0: Yeah, it happens. Okay. <laughs>
2: Shall we move on?
0: Um, we'll we'll on... stick with D- oh. D&D for a moment.
2: Oh, yeah? What have you, you don't what have else?
0: to go off D&D quite yet.
2: What have you got because else to say on D&D?
0: this I found just before we started recording.
2: Gasped. I don't know about it then. Tell me about it.
0: A Table of Contents of Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel.
2: Oh, I did see that on the site, yeah. But carry on. You did see <laughs> that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah okay.
0: <laughs> so, so that book is coming out next week. Mm-hmm. It was delayed by a month due to production um issues. What mood? Like like everything is these mm-hmm. days. Um But it's coming out next week, and we've got the entire table of contents. It's not a really surprising table of contents, because we already knew what the 13 adventures in it were called. Yeah. So it's 13 chapters, mm-hmm. each of which is an adventure. Yeah. An introductory chapter, which is introducing the Citadel itself. Makes sense. And then a chapter at the end for the stat blocks. And that's what you got. So pretty much, yeah. exactly, if, if someone asked you to guess what the table of contents looked like, that's you'd say exactly that's exactly guessed. what you would say, yeah. So it's what oh. you would say, but you can go and look at it and look at the table of contents. and.
2: Gosh, it feels like ages ago we were first talking about that.
0: A few months.
2: I know, that feels like a long time, isn't it? Yeah, three that? months, I think, yeah. yeah. Well, three months is a long time. In terms of news, it is.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: But yeah, I bet people are excited to be getting their physical copies of that. So yeah,
0: yeah. So this is you know you said a minute ago that it's odd that they chose Spelljammer. Yeah. But this is kind of a multiversal product. It yeah. kind of it's this this Radiant Citadel has portals through to all different places in the multiverse. Yeah. yeah. When you can have mm-hmm. an adventure. Spelljammer's kind of a bit it's not kind of multiversal in a way. It seems like mm. Maybe that's kind of a direction they're going. Like it's all about the multiverse now, kind of like Marvel's doing. Yeah, I was about to say they looked at Marvel and gone. they've done well. Yeah, yeah, have a bit
2: bit of that, please.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm I'm, like even Star Trek's kind of doing that a bit as well now. You know, so
2: it's an interesting concept, and I think because it's more in media and it's a concept people will understand a bit more. Because I think. A While back, if you'd have introduced the concept of a multiverse, some people would have been like, That's way too much, like, that's mm. too complicated. Mainstream people aren't going to get that, but guess, now, yeah,
0: now you can't not have a multiverse, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Right, anyway, what other news have we got?
2: Well, I was going to try and segue earlier into things being the best into awards, but we kind of jumped oh, back. Awards, the, yes, yes, the any awards? Uh, the nominees for the 2022 mm-hmm. Any Awards were announced this week. Uh, before we go into that, someone did ask me if we did the Any Awards because the "en" element of it, and I said we we don't anymore. But you did; you were involved at the beginning, and you did kind of start it up, didn't you, Russ?
0: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. stopped in 2018.
2: Okay, so just to I just to confirm that, link. and that's so all, like four
0: years ago, and, and that.
2: that's also why we don't um, apply and put our games in for it because it feels. Weird. It feels weird, even though, that. like, I'm sure the judges wouldn't be like, well, Russ made this and he started the award, so we have to give him the award. But like, or, or vice
0: versa. But, you know,
2: oh, yeah, or like, vice versa.
0: It just would feel weird. it feels so, weird. Yeah. I think
2: yeah. maybe when a bit more time passes, because like you say, it was only four years ago that you stopped kind of yeah. having ownership of that. Um, so, because someone said to me, yeah, that why we didn't apply for them. And I said, well... <laughs> <laughs> so i just wanted to kind of explain that but i want to talk about the the excellent nominees that have uh been on there so you can see the full list on en world um mm-hmm. but the judges have spotlighted some some games there so they've spotlighted dwellings uh mm-hmm. stack of goblins shanty hunters kobold's guide to monstered and wickedness but yeah so they've spotlighted some of the the games you know the spotlight winners Mm. Um, but you, the full nominees, we've got a full list of. But I don't know if we want to go through the full list of nominees. No, but or...
0: we could call out a couple of facts. Like I yeah. think, um, Thirsty Sword Lesbians from Evil Hat has the most nominations. I think I haven't actually that counted them myself. I just read that somewhere, so did you? <laughs> that might not be true. I read somewhere that Thirsty Sword Lesbians from Evil Hat had the most nominations, but okay. I did not verify it myself. So I'm just going to choose to believe that, or we could sit here and count it.
2: I. I don't know if that's... Um...
0: It might not be true. It's going to turn out not to be true. Uh, best art there. Um, best art interior. Best art cover. Best game.
2: It's been nominated for a lot of things, has the Thirsty Sword Lesbians.
0: And Product of the Year is nominated for as well.
2: So um, so Product of the Year is kind of a big deal, mm. kind of award on it. And we yeah. we could talk about some of the nominees from that. So there's Call of Cthulhu, the classic prop set mm. is on there. I don't know much about that one.
0: Yeah. See Dune, Adventures in the Imperium, the Collector's Edition is on there.
2: Yep, from Modifius and Andy yeah. Peregrin talked to us about that. I'm not D and D. It's a uh, very pretty looking book. So yeah, um, it is. And I haven't had the chance to play it, but I've heard good things.
0: Yeah, and there's thirty sword lesbians, as we mentioned. Of a course. Yeah. I mean, the product of the year is like 10 products rather than five, which all the other ones are, so it's yeah. quite a long list.
2: But Zhang Shi, Blood on the Banquet Hall,
0: as mm-hmm. well,
2: is uh, listed for product of the year. I feel
0: like that was like two years ago. Obviously, I'm wrong, but I feel like that was years well, ago. Well, I think
2: it was Kickstarted a little while back. That might have been, And yeah. then it comes to retail I think that's it. Later. You always remember
0: the Kickstarter, not the release.
2: Yeah, and this, is, yeah. this was a conversation we had when we were doing the UK Games Expo. Cause you're like, oh, we don't have a new product, and I was like, well, no, we do, because this is the first time Level Up's been available at retail.
0: <laughs> well, I suppose so. Yeah. But in your yeah. mind,
2: like Level Up was ta- was like Dungeons the Kickstarter yeah. was last year, but like yeah. actually for people that didn't support the Kickstarter, this is mm. this is new.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: but it seems there's a really and root the RPG as well, which was based um, off the board game. Mm. Is, is there as well? So there's a really yeah. interesting selection of games. I'm interested to see who gets the awards for things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, we don't want to list them all. No, no, novelist, no, no, I don't want to go through a list of all, but I just wanted to spotlight
2: a few that were interesting to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I think that any awards are really great because it's spotlighting and highlighting tabletop RPGs, you know, that are, that are Yeah, not I was in the comments,
0: someone said, I haven't heard of 90% of those games, like that's a criticism, and I'm like,
2: That's Good. the point. <laughs> the point is, it's trying to spotlight and show these yeah. amazing games that you might not have heard of mm. because of the dominance of, of D&D. And also mm. there's a few few companies that are like indie companies that are bigger and you Mm. generally hear about them a lot. Like we're talking Mm. about Modiphius and Paizo and and things like that on on the news here a lot but there's so many great little indie RPG companies that Mm. do amazing stuff.
0: Hey, do you know what's coming in about two weeks? In fact, it's less than two weeks. It's now about one week.
2: Oh, I was going to say August but now you've said one week, I don't know.
0: Should I give you a clue? (laughs) Doctor. Doctor
2: Doctors coming.
0: The five E version of Doctor Who. Doctors and Daleks from Cubicle Seven.
2: I I did not know that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that's coming next week.
2: That's exciting.
0: It is exciting. I'm.
2: When when you say it's coming next week, how is it being available? Just to buy on their site or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: They they don't kickstart the um, Doctor Who stuff, presumably because BBC doesn't let them or something. Oh, fair enough. A lot of, a lot of licenses don't let you, let you kickstart their stuff. Yeah, but it's being, it's being released next week. So they've been doing Doctor Who Adventures in Time and Space for what? 10 years? At least? Mm -hmm. A long time. Ages and ages and ages and ages. So that's the non-5e version. And you get a lot of people saying, I don't see the point of this. Why would you use 5e? Surely there are better systems for Doctor Who. Yes. And the answer to that is, well, yeah, they've been producing it for the last 10 years. Go and buy that. But if you do want to use 5e for Doctor mm-hmm. Who, this is how you do that. Yeah. And I am intrigued to uh, to put a point. I mean, it's yeah, 5e. I, I, I'm not sure how well it will work, but I'm interested.
2: Well, because, like, 5th edition is, like can be like so focused around combat like it's an Mm. important part of the game and a large part of doctor who's ethos is that they don't like to fight and use weapons and Mm. you know they don't like battle people
0: yeah and the way that adventures in time and space deals with that is they've got this great system Mm. where the initiative system is i can't remember the exact order but talkers go first Mm -hmm. then runners then doers and then people who fight go last and that basically helps really strongly root that in the kind of ethos of Doctor Who, in the, you know, fighting is a, is the last resort, not yeah. the first. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas obviously D and D doesn't do that, but it doesn't mean they can't do that. Maybe they still Maybe. kept that. I don't know. Yeah, that's why I have-
2: say it intrigues me. I wouldn't. I mean, the obvious reason they get they're using Fifth Edition for this is because Fifth Edition sells the most. Yeah. And yeah. some people will just refuse to play anything else.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, that's what they did with when they had the One Ring. They released Adventures in Middle-Earth, and by all accounts, that sold way more than the One Ring did.
1: What?
0: So, you know. Shake, I, both shakes I them both. at yeah. the sky,
2: like a grumpy but, old tabletop. So look at the character person. sheet
0: here. So they've renamed hit points plot points. Interesting. Which is interesting. It's basically a 5e character sheet,
2: mm-hmm. pretty
0: much. Um, I, I'm going to look at the skills. I bet there's some different skills in there. Yeah, we've got engineering in there. Science. Engineering and science have been added to skills.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Hit points are plot points. The rest of it looks like a a quip. You have a quip bonus. don't know what a quip is. It looks like a quip is some kind of mechanic you can use. Maybe it's kind of a bit like a spell or something. Maybe. I mean Doctor Who characters tend to be quite quippy, don't they? They do, yes. Hmm. I'll be intrigued
2: to... Yeah, I think I'm intrigued to have a look and see how that would work because it's not not a natural pairing. I wouldn't go, ah, yes. They will... How perfect. Yeah, yeah. It sounds a bit like, you know, putting ketchup on a scone to me. That's how much they've it had work. to
0: bend the 5e system to do it.
2: Exactly. Well, yeah, it depends. But as it's well known on Doctor Who, sometimes weird things go together, like fish fingers and custard.
0: Right, what else have we got in the news?
2: Well, uh, Mediphius made some announcements uh, for their 2D20 that Summer of Dragon. That doesn't sound Friday. like
0: Medifius making announcements.
2: They, but would you believe... It is a thing. So next week, July 20th, a whole load of stuff is happening. First little thing is Modiphius is having a 20% off sale on their core books. So that's nice uh, for that weekend. Uh, But bigger news is uh, they're getting a system reference document. So the SRD means third parties, uh, other publishers, uh, can create their own games using that core system, the 2D20 Mm -hmm. system, and they can sell and publish them. Marvelous. So that's going to be available. And the last thing is they've done a partnership with Start Playing Games, uh, Start Playing Dot Games, sorry. Mm-hmm. So all the game masters uh, can get a chance if they run games during this period to win some gift certificates for Modiphius' store. Hmm. And the grand prize is £1,000 to spend in Modiphius' game store.
0: Hmm. What is Start Playing Dot Games?
2: So it's a site where game masters can like host games and I think they can like sell. So if you're like, a professional GM... So it's not a virtual players. tabletop? It's an online platform for players to find tabletop role-playing games and professional GMs for any game system and any virtual tabletop. So it's not a platform in itself. It's more like oh, it's uh, a, it's finding a, players. A meetup
0: type thing. Yeah,
2: so this is like Tinder for tabletop RPGs. Okay. <laughs> and they'll hate anyone saying it, so... <laughs> you're right. But okay. in a non-creepy way. But yeah, so you can go on there, and if you're looking mm. to find a game... Uh and you normally pay because these are professional GMs. Um so mm. like I'm on there right now and there's and it there's real variety in prices. Like some you can sit and play a game and it's just five dollars a session, others are like twenty. Mm. And so I guess it depends on, on the game master how much experience they have and yada yada mm. yada. Um but yeah. Uh so they're saying if you run their games on this site, um you have the chance to win um some vouchers so you can buy and a thousand But I was just thinking, if you had a thousand dollars to spend on Modifius games, that's so much.
0: Yeah, that is a lot. Yeah, yeah, like that's a, yeah, that's like fifty games. No, twenty games. So fifty quid each. So twenty games. That's a lot. That's a lot of games. Yeah, um, it being ridiculous, of course, they have twenty games because yeah, because so many games. Yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah. If you want a thousand at Ian Publishing, you might. Well, there's still a lot of. I'm well, sure you could you spend should. a
0: thousand quite easily. Yes, but they're not all different games. Yes, you'd be buying supplements for games.
2: Yes. Yeah. But anyway, so that was uh so that's what Midlife is doing.
0: Yeah.
2: And uh Shadowrun is doing stuff and things.
0: Shadowrun so, always does stuff and things. Yeah,
2: Well they've uh partnered up with Humble World Bundle to bring hmm. out Shadowrun Sixth World Bundle. Um mm. and the top tier is just eighteen dollars in fairness, and you get the Shadowrun Sixth World Core Ruled City edition and fifteen other source books with it.
0: Mm.
2: So that's quite a good bundle. And it um it goes to benefit action against hunger.
0: Yeah, those bundles okay. are always good deals, and we we've done a couple of bundle of holdings. Yes, and they've always been really good
2: yes. deals. Yes. So I I mean we've got deep, more details of that and all the other bundles going on on the the EN World article.
0: Yes. So Wh- whose R-BK name is on the tip of your tongue?
2: Yes, it is. So the because <laughs> it's long. Um, I'm not helping you. I'm just gonna. Gosh, there's so much news on this news site. Uh, so such it's,
0: a good news site there's no need to go to any other news site
2: it's true uh, but yeah so you can find out you can so the details of the bundle are there and also all the other bundles on the RPG freebies bundles and sales news which we do every week um, so mm. you can check that on with other stuff
0: I was looking at this blog post from uh, Stephen Marsh who works over at Steve Jackson Games mm-hmm Talking about the increase in paper prices, like yes. how much printing costs are going up, mm-hmm. I was also talking to another publisher, I won't name them, but I was talking to another publisher friend of mine over the, over this week um, about how they, they had a Kickstarter and by the time they came to fulfil the Kickstarter, shipping and printing costs had gone up so much that the, the prices mm-hmm. that they originally charged just were woefully inadequate. Yeah, and you know it is—it is a thing that is happening. It really is Mm -hmm. a thing that is. I mean, we've definitely noticed shipping shipping girls, haven't we? (laughs) Yes, much to my delight and amazement and enjoyment.
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, is that is that a place where you have to pass it on to the customer at this point? Yeah, because that for a lot of the time we tried to subsidize a lot of the shipping ourselves. It was just too much. Yeah, isn't it? It we'll say, much. well, you know, we'll just take some of it out the product price, so the you know, and the customers because there is a psychology with customers. People would rather pay thirty dollars for a product and zero shipping than pay twenty dollars for a product and ten pounds shipping.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah, they would. That, just... is, that is true.
2: So, it, and it's it's so difficult, and you want to be transparent with all your pricing. Well, we certainly do, mm. um, but shipping costs are just so much.
0: They're getting insane. Yeah, yeah, it is.
2: It is an awful lot, and then also the product cost going up because the paper cost of paper going up just means. So I think RPGs aren't going to get cheaper.
0: They're not getting cheaper anytime soon. No,
2: though. physical ones. The digital yeah. ones, like the price for them, can probably remain reasonably yeah. stable.
0: And that's but... what compounds the problem that RPG creators don't get paid enough anyway. Yes. Because because it's really really hard to sell a book mm-hmm. at what really is its real value. Yeah. So you know, and a PDF even harder. So yeah. you, you combine all that; it's not it's not great to be an RPG publisher right at the moment, cost wise.
2: No, <laughs> <laughs> as someone that's the business manager of an indie yeah, yeah. tabletop RPG company, it's like, yeah.
0: I mean, thank goodness for Kickstarter, is all I can say. Yeah. 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 If Kickstarter went away, I think a lot of people would be in trouble.
2: Yeah. Because you do get that boost and that marketing and and, and you know oh, yes. how much to, to print of your print run yeah. and all this stuff and yeah. it kind of helps with the cash flow a lot. But then yeah. Kickstarter, can you say, is like an issue because some people are going to Kickstarter to fund the development of it and by the time you finish development, the cost for shipping and, yeah. and I mean, producing. I think we're kind more. of
0: lucky that our model yeah. helps to ensure us against that to an extent mm-hmm. because we leave it to the last minute to run the Kickstarter.
2: Yeah, we do. So, so we've already done the development. Yeah. And we and that's the risk we kind of take as well. Because if the Kickstarter doesn't do any w- very well, we've already done all the development. Spent all that and money, yeah. all the people.
0: All the people. All the people. I mean, we don't... Already! Um, Is there any more Table to, to news? Um, Are there any big Kickstarters at the moment?
2: Well, to the death to us part...
0: So, well, there's our Kickstarter, yeah. Yeah. So we'll just do a spot, which is a Adventures with Heart for 5th edition.
2: I'm actually very excited about this one, because I yeah. think it's really nice. The adventures are perfect for levelling up through a campaign, because they're like super for level 2 up to like level 10.
0: It's our last one of these for a while as well.
2: Yes. But yeah, so I, think it's a... it's, I think it's really great. And the adventures I picked here aren't just like, you go in and you kill the thing, which is fine, and we all love to go in and kill the thing in D&D sometimes. But these mm. are a little bit more like what decision you're going to make because there's consequences mm. to this, so it's a little bit more of yeah. So it's a little bit yeah. more to these adventures than just like go in and kill the thing. I mean, yeah. you can go in and kill the thing, but like <laughs> consequences. Yeah. But yeah, so I think I just I I, I like this little collection. I think it's really nice, yeah. and um, yeah, I hope people I hope people enjoy using it.
0: I was just the rest of Kickstarter, and there's some sort of like. Mid-2000s properties coming back on, on Kickstarter at the moment. So there's something from the Iron Kingdoms, a and d 5th edition version of the Iron Kingdoms, the Nightmare Empire,
2: mm-hmm.
0: takes your campaign into the 5E Seas, it's a sort of high seas based source book for, mm-hmm. for the Iron Kingdom setting. And there's also uh, Arcanus 5E, which I remember from Paradigm Concepts was around in the early 2000s as well. Mm-hmm. Arcanus was a, a campaign setting. So, it looks like there's a bit of a revival for a couple of those. And Fading Suns from Udyssey Spiel has a Kickstarter going on right now, too. Oh. Fading Suns fourth edition sourcebook called Lost Worlds. So, look. Hieronymus Garden of Earthly Delights. Interesting. Don't know what that is. I'm looking at it. I don't know what it is. It is a Kickstarter. <laughs> Good. An apocalyptic. Oh, here we go. An apocalyptic horror RPG inspired by the works of the medieval artist Hieronymus Bosch. It looks. You play looks a group of refugees abstract. fleeing an astral terror as you rip your way through strange worldscapes in part inspired by the paintings.
2: The paintings look wild as well. Yes. There's a yeah. lot going on there.
0: Yeah. Anyway. I saw that. It's, it's very it jumped out because it looked, looked, yeah, yeah.
2: There's a weird robot thing with like a severed foot in its hand. That's not kind.
0: No. And why does that person lying, have a though. spoon? The weird robot to their thing shoe. isn't lying. Though. It, it may have a severed foot, but it hasn't told a lie because they can't. That
2: we know. And there's a <laughs> rabbit there as well. Hmm. There's someone pooping coins into a hole. This is a lot. Okay, that's enough of that. Okay. Um, <laughs> so the more I look, the to more town. I see in those pictures. So that is an interesting. <laughs> that's an interesting thing. thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. I think I think that is the news done. I think we're done with the news. Except a reminder that on August the thirtieth, Dungeon Delvers Guild coming to Kickstarter.
2: That's very exciting. I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yes. Yeah, just over, just over a month away, six weeks away, I think.
2: Yes, and that's why we won't be doing any quickstarts for a while, because this will be the last one for a while till death was part, mm. because we'll be focusing on doing that kickstart.
0: Yeah. Hey, there you are. I want to introduce our new party member.
2: Oh, good. Since we lost our fighter last month, we've been sorely in need of muscle.
0: Yep. Khan here will be the perfect compliment to your magical prowess and my sneaky wiles khan come on in will you hello
2: uh what earth is that i am khan
0: this is khan he's our new fighter
2: but he's uh a
0: dalek yes
2: but daleks are the single most deadly killing machines in the entire multiverse
0: exactly
2: they're pure evil condensed into metallic shells of burning hatred
0: yep I reckon Khan here will make short work of any random bandit raids or goblin lairs. Our job, my wizardly friend, just got a whole lot easier. But
2: Daleks live to do just one thing. Exterminate. Exactly.
0: Exactly.
2: That's what I said.
0: Good, so we're in agreement.
2: No, we are not in agreement. We can't go adventuring with the most killy killer in the universe. Why
0: ever not?
2: Well, because A, we represent the forces of light. And B. What is to stop Khan here killing us? I will do that.
0: He's just kidding. I am not kidding.
2: Daleks do not kid. My friend, you have brought doom to us all.
0: Surely you exaggerate.
2: Daleks exterminate any life that is not Dalek.
0: Oh, that can't be true. That's not true, is it, Khan? That is true. I will exterminate you. Oh, quick, run before it's too late. Oh, don't be so silly. He's just...
1: Exterminates! Ah! Malak the Maleficent here. If, like me, you're enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing on Patreon for exclusive bonus content every week and the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing you are helping to keep the show going subscribe at patreon.com slash morris there i said it Can you stop staring at me like that now the things i do all right all right don't forget patreon.com slash morris can i go now
2: so for the double of the week this week I wanted to talk about character creation
1: mm.
2: because um, for a lot of people they really enjoy making characters before the campaign even begins. Um, so making your character and doing that. So I wanted to talk about the stuff we do.
0: Unfortunately, to be. Some people hate making characters.
2: I mean, yes, some people do.
0: Yeah, I like it. I like I'm it too. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, so that's why I thought it would be good to talk for us to talk about because I guess if you do, if you're a person that doesn't like making characters, you'll just kind of throw something together and then just
0: mm. or use a pregen or something. Or use a
2: pregen or something. But I I wonder if that's don't like making characters for the mechanical side of it with the system you're using or the actual making a person. Because for me, they're two separate things.
0: Well, there are two things. Because like Mm -hmm. making and optimising a a character mechanically is one thing. Yeah. And some people love that. Mm -hmm. Some people hate that. I don't like that. Some people... Yeah. 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 So it's quite quite a polarising thing, I think, now. Some people find that's a large part of the game for them. Yeah. And some people i just not into that at all. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then, of course, there's creating the personality, the the, the non-mechanical aspect of the character, yeah. which is an entirely separate element to that. Yeah. Although it can overlap a little bit, because one has to inform the other to an extent.
2: Yeah, I agree. They have to inform each other. But yeah, I just thought it would be interesting to talk about that, because people do so many different things, and it so depends on the systems that you use. Yeah.
0: So take a D&D character, then. Yeah. Right. So you're making a D&D character, yeah. right? what and you're sitting down first first thing very first thing what's the very first thing that enters your mind what are you doing are you thinking about the class or the race no well straight the, away or what are you thinking about so
2: i first thing i do with my group having and i did i did this i say i did this recently because i'm in a level up campaign so the first thing hmm. i do is i um i think about what role i want them to take in the party and i'm not talking about class or heritage or anything like that just like Socially in the group, what does this person do and bring to the table? Why are they invited to be part of the party? And so that, for me, is like a collaboration bit. So I might message the other players and be like, hi, what are you thinking of playing? And
0: hmm. uh,
2: Or if I have a really strong idea of a role I want to to be in the party, I'll kind of bring that.
0: So how does that role differ? How's that different to a class? Because that's kind of what classes are in D&D, isn't it? Uh,
2: a bit, but uh, so... Uh, I've got two examples of this. So the one I'm doing for the Level Up campaign, we were doing a heist. The pitch is, you're going to be characters going in to do a heist to steal something Mm. from this house. I was like, okay, cool, we're a heist team. And I was quite interested in doing the charisma side of things. And so I decided to be the face. So I said, hey, I'm thinking of taking this role in the heist team. What does everybody think? And they were Mm. like, yes. And that is different from, and I've chosen a rogue character, a high charisma Mm. rogue, which when you think of charisma instantly, you might think, oh, a bard.
0: But I chose
2: to kind of of go a different route with it, which works really well with with the system. But anyway. And because
0: you like playing rogues.
2: Yeah, and I haven't had the chance to play a rogue and level up, and it's really cool. But anyway, so that is one thing I did in that. So that's like choosing a role because we had a really specific brief. And the other one in my other D&D campaign, which started up a while ago, so I think it's been running over a year now. But anyway, but when we were making characters, that, I said to my group, I was thinking, because we play these campaigns over a really long time, like we've been role playing together for about five years. And we've done like two campaigns. This is the third campaign in that time. So I was like, okay, this is going to be a character that's going to be with for a number of years. Also, our group really enjoys the social aspect of role play. So I was like, okay, so what social dynamic do I want to bring to the table? Mm. So I spoke to other people and I was very open for what I play in this. So I kind of was like, hey, I think the party, based on what everyone else was saying, needs this element to them. Uh, we have a lot of people that are very high energy, very push-the-button, impulsive kind of characters. And I was like, we need somebody to rein everyone in so we don't all mm. instantly die. So I was like, <laughs> so, that, so that's the first thing I so do. So it's just a
0: bit like your job in real life.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, Carmen's very different. We won't talk about that now. But, but yeah, so, so the first thing I do is I'm like, what role do they need to fulfill in the party? And that's not to do with class right anything like that just like what does this group need and that could be a dynamic or a function or whatever it is and it depends on that mm. group so that's the first thing i do mm. and then the next thing i do is i think about based on that role what sort of person is that so yeah. with kind of carmen for example and my my dnd character i was like okay so she needs to be somebody that's quite organized and ordered so i decided based on the world setting that she was going to be a soldier I was like okay, great. Um, so I want her to be kind of a soldier, and so she's quite efficient, authoritative, and is like has some self control, unlike all the other characters. So I decided that, and I was like, cool. How and that now I need to translate that kind of personality idea into kind of a class. And the other mm. issue I had was I was like, okay, our group doesn't have a specific healing a healer in that party, so really, if we had some healing, that would be good. So mm. I decided to make a rogue, of course. <laughs> <laughs> i just like playing rose no but i made a rogue with the healing healer feet so i just decided to make her a combat medic so she had that personality right. and that efficiency but she had all the skills to do healing and mm-hmm. the the combination of the healer's feet with fast hands some people might have heard about in d that means you can uh, as a bonus action like heal people really efficiently and it levels up because um the amount you heal is like goes up with the hit the maximum hit die that that person you're mm-hmm. healing has so it works quite well but anyway so then I was like, okay, so, so I start with what role does it need in the group? Okay, based on that role, what is this person like? What's their personality? And then from that personality, I make a character build from that. And, mm-hmm. and it's, and that means I don't have optimal character builds because as people said, Jess, if the, if the group needed a healer, why on earth would you make a rogue? But right, yeah. it just, for that personality, it just made sense for them to be like a combat medic style thing. And it sounded like a cool thing to do uh Yeah, and that, and yeah, and kind of the decisions I make about building them mechanically is I try and make that make sense based off their backstory and their personality, and that's the approach I take. See, for
0: me, I definitely think class first. Okay, I'm like, right, I'm making a wizard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: what's next? Yeah. So basically, for D and D specifically, yeah, yeah. obviously different games are different, but but for D and D, right off the bat, I know what class I'm making. Mm-hmm. That's my first choice, and then everything comes from that. Okay. So, it's, so I, the class isn't informed by the personality. The personality is informed by the class.
2: Ah, it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah. I think both both work.
0: Well, yeah, so I yeah, mean, any way you do it works. As long as, long as you end up with a character, yeah. it's worked. But um, what I do like, though, what I do enjoy is going off the and I like Life Path character creation systems. Yeah. Which help build your character's backstory as you actually make the character up mm-hmm. in a sort of almost like a mini game. And I really yeah. enjoy that. And I like the way that fleshes out my character in ways that I might not necessarily have anticipated mm-hmm. when I started making the character.
2: Well, I think Level Up does that bit.
0: It does a little, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Level Up has a sort of mini-disguised life bar system in it,
2: yeah,
0: uh, where you choose the heritage, you know, how you were born. Then where you grew up, mm. then your job when you grew up, then your class. It is, it yeah. is kind of a mini life class. And your destiny. It's kind of a mini life And that class,
2: all fleshed out the character's personality for me. And mm. I was doing that as well. Because I had an idea of the sort of person I wanted to have, someone that's the face of that, like quite talky and manipulative and all these things. Mm. But then as I was going through and level up and creating it, it made, it kind of informed that really well as to why. And that made the basis of my, my backstory.
0: So, so have you ever made a combat oriented character? So it sounds to me like that's not your preferred type of character.
2: My first rogue character was a was a very well she was like a stabby. charisma mastermind, but she was very savvy <laughs> and good at fighting as well. Yeah. No I no, I don't generally go to I mean I've done one shots where I have, but generally mm. I combat isn't the most interesting thing to me in an RPG, so it's not what mm. I look to do. It's not. And yeah. of course, there's, in D&D, you need to be able to fight because it's, yeah. But
0: yeah, it's quite a fighty game. I, yeah.
2: I, yeah, no, I haven't been, I'm not drawn to playing a barbarian or someone that's really combat-oriented in that mm. way. Yeah, I, I like to play, because it hasn't really suited the personalities that I was going to play. Like, uh, the character I was making, Carmen the Soldier, might potentially have been, but we just mm. had a lot of people in the group already that were quite fighty. And I think mm. the, the thing about role-playing games is it's a social, collaborative story. And mm. so we I I thought it would be good to have a bit of balance for a different dynamic in that group.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so it's not like your entire group is sort of exactly the same and likes to play sort of charisma or sort of talky characters.
2: I think my, my group, yeah. I mean, there are other people like that in my group, yeah. but not everyone is. But we do enjoy the role-play side of it. But I think it's really fun playing somebody that's low charisma. Mm. Because actually, Carmen, my character in D&D, actually doesn't have very high charisma. We right. recently had a group fight, and her res- resolution for this is like, right, we need to solve this. So she basically sat them down together and was like, you two are arguing a lot, and it's unacceptable because it's, uh, you know, not making out, so you need to get on. Are you going to get on now? And they're like, okay. And she's like, great. And in her mind, she's like, solved. I have fixed <laughs> all the social issues. So mm. I think it's fun playing someone that's low charisma as well.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I think you are more role play oriented than I am generally i'm an old i i i i, I would i would think from that yeah, i mean i like i think I don't think I particularly plan out a character's personality that much No. it just happens by itself, okay, and to be honest, probably only from out of a stock two or three different no
2: characters really? that, I,
0: that I often use um if I'm honest um you know maybe with some slight tweaks and variations, what? but generally.
2: What about um voices, though?
0: See, I, I can't do accents, at all. Neither can I. Can't, can't do them. Don't even try. Even when I'm uh, GMing a game, I won't even bother doing mm-hmm. accents. There's just no point. It be stupid and take people out of it. I can't do it. I know I can't. So, you can still alter the way you talk,
2: though. Yeah, that's like exactly I can still do
0: me sounding angry, or me sounding abrupt, or me sounding... This or that. So I can do that. Yeah. So you can alter your tone and the volume of your voice and things like that. Yeah. That's easy enough. I
2: do I do that a lot. All my characters have very different voices, but mm. the only oh, the, the goblin voice is very different, of course. But I think everyone can do mm. that. <laughs> but you can change so much with the way just even just like your pacing and tone and Yeah, like, exactly. What are your three voices then that you do? You said you've got like three or four personalities or voices?
0: Uh well not so much three voices, okay. but um, yeah, three person So, I've got the sort of slightly, um, selfish, stroppy.
2: Can you, can you, can you do the voice? person
0: who doesn't like to, no, not, these aren't voices, they're just ways they act. Okay. So, who, who doesn't like to get their hands dirty and all that sort of stuff, which is the personality of my current elf wizard. Okay. My wizard bit uptight. Generally tends to let everyone else do all the dirty work and stands back and watches, that sort of thing. Cool. Quite yeah. Quite like that. Um And then I've got the sort of elderly crotchety one. And then I've got the very, very, very brash. One? If there's a risk that possibly could be taken, right, we're doing that then. You know, that sort of thing. So there's a door. Has it got a trap on it? I don't know. Let's find out. I open the door. You know, that that yeah. sort of character. So they're kind of my three stock characters that I tend to go to when I'm playing. When I'm GMing, obviously it's different. Well, yeah, have you have to be like range, f- 50 yeah, different yeah, people yeah. then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. But when, when I'm GMing, like... When you're jamming, you kind of know, you don't have to come up with characters, they're kind of like, okay, you know that this one is going to be
2: mm-hmm.
0: like this. Unless the
2: party does something completely strange.
0: Yeah. yeah. And they're
2: like, I want to know the name of every NPC in this village, I want to know their family's <laughs> yeah. names, I want to know everything about them, I'm going I to I want each
0: of them. them to have a unique and individual voice.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: that I can recognise. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
2: I find voices really interesting for me because I think um, when I'm role-playing, I think they, they tell a lot about the character and the way I try mm. and do them. I think about them before sessions and, mm. and so they all sound kind of different based on their personality. So I try and do right, it that right. way.
0: So do you find your whole your whole group does that or is that just more of a you so, thing? Uh,
2: a lot of people in my group do that. Some of the people in my group can do accents
0: mm-hmm. and so
2: one of the players in my group had like this... Not quite Russian, but it was like that sort of lilt to it, the whole campaign. We played Mm. this for like two years uh, Mm. and they're very good at that. And other people just have different patterns of speaking based on kind of how they are as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, a lot of our group kind of do that as well.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: And I think when you see actual plays, you see that a lot as well because people are, when you're doing an actual play, it's different from playing a game with your friends because you're almost, you are performing a little bit because there's an Mm. element of, other people are going to be watching this, so it needs to be. I need to bring them into the story and make it interesting and engaging for mm. them in some yeah. way.
0: I really wish I could do accents. That is a talent that yes, you know. Same. If I if I if I could just like have a talent, I think being able to do accents and voices would be one. You can An learn if you really like want that. to. What I do do when I when I'm trying to create a personality, I always like the shortcut of modelling it off a movie character or something like that.
2: That's Especially good. for NPC's yes. as
0: opposed to PCs, yeah, but yeah, yeah. sometimes for PCs as well. So you take the movie character and you just do an you basically do an impression of that of that movie character.
2: Yeah, inspired by yeah. This
0: is like um, yeah, like I I had a campaign where this guy was basically NPC was basically Clint Eastwood in a in a cowboy movies nice. and basically and people pick up even if they don't necessarily realise exactly what it is you're doing because your impression is not that good. Which is nearly all the time. Well, that works. They still pick up They still pick up on, you know, sort of the subconsciously jokes. on it. Yeah. And fill in, and the thing is they fill in the blanks then. Mm-hmm. You don't need to. But because they'll, they'll be familiar with the new movie character and will subconsciously link it, even if they don't deliberately yeah. or are or aware they're doing it, and will fill in the blanks themselves. Mm. Which makes it feel like a much more rounded character than maybe it actually is. It's like an illusion almost.
2: Yeah, that is a good, it feels like a one of those life hack kind of things for role yeah, playing yeah.
0: Games. yeah, yeah <laughs> just be
2: so yeah, just, just be a character it. someone else created. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah steal it from somewhere. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah and yeah. I think mean, that's fair enough. That's one way. One thing I do is I like there's the the joke people always say in my group is it's not role playing if you play yourself. But I always take a little bit of my personality or belief and put it in each of my characters, even though my characters are very different. Because I feel mm-hmm. I need to have some sort of connection so I can understand them, relate mm-hmm. to them, and also so that if something I hadn't thought about happens to my character. I'll have like an instinctual reaction to how i how I react to that how you
0: how you would react yeah, to yeah. It, yeah.
2: but even well, but even though I have characters that have completely different beliefs and then I'll usually and one thing i I have some some topics that I think about for my characters in advance, like one of them is how do they view other people in the world
1: mm. and
2: like I've done characters that polar opposite. Like Liara was a character I had once and her whole vibe was she's like, I do not trust people. She had like awful stuff happen to her. So she's like, I don't trust people. People are generally terrible and you always have to have your guard up because people are awful. And the other end, I had a different character, Posey, who was like, generally people are good. Sure, there are bad people in the world, but it's just because bad things have happened to them. So they're sad inside. So generally Mm. people are great. And if you think about that, it will react how they. It'll inform how they react with different people. So that's one of the kind of questions I. So how how are you
0: playing characters with unpleasant characteristics?
2: But yeah, most of, yeah most of my characters aren't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, all right. Well, to go even more could you play a character that was evil? Yeah. For example, <laughs> Or not someone someone who was evil in a real world kind of way, like a racist or something. Could you do that?
2: Um. I haven't, because generally at tables I've done, we do lines and veils, and we have some subjects that we don't want to play, and a lot of our games yeah. we said we don't want to include racism because of all the obvious reasons. Yeah, yeah. Uh But yeah, I played in a LARP a character who was very evil. She was also mm. a vampire, which maybe made mm. it a bit easier, but she was a very humanoid type one, and her whole aim uh in this game uh was to try and set up and negotiate with these other people so she could set up pretty much... Um, a trafficking unit out of the city for the humans, so she can have a good blood supply yeah, going through to her army. So it's just, like not not good. It's quite horrible, yeah. She was horrible, and I I absolutely could play. And yeah, like Nazi person, not great. And you actually you can play that, but the way I do that is what I said before. You have to have an element of the, take a tiny piece that you relate to and understand, because you're not going to relate to the whole thing if you're playing an evil, hopefully, if you're playing mm. an evil character, <laughs> but you have to have a tiny part that you're like, that bit I get it's the same way of creating a good villain you've got to understand how they got to that point
0: point. Mm.
2: and for her, the way, the way I made it is, is like, the tiny bit that she had that was relatable to me she's like, well I care about the people I care about and my family and I want to look after them so that's a value mm. I have, and I put that to her and that got twisted into this whole awful thing she was doing because as a vampire, mm. she they need to eat blood and eat people, and she needs to look after her people that way. So that was her motivation. Right, so yeah, you have right. to find a way to make the motivation behind what they're doing is evil something you. Because if you don't believe it yourself, as soon as someone confronts you about it, like, why would you do things? You'd be like, yeah, it's
0: bad. So you've got to find out a way of why the character doesn't think what they're doing is evil. Yeah, how, do, how, how does she saying?
2: justify it to herself?
0: To herself, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and the, yeah. the
2: other way she justified it is she didn't see people humans as uh her equal as well she's like well i'm a vampire i'm right. so superior to you you're pretty much oh, so She's like a
0: cat then basically
2: yeah she's like a cat she was like <laughs> humans are cattle there for my consumption so she mm. was yeah she so yes i can play an evil character but yeah. whenever i play evil characters i make sure the people i'm playing with want we do really good lines and veils and safety mechanics to make sure that the topics we're doing with those evil characters is something everybody's okay with
0: yeah, and also there's a difference between cartoon evil and real life evil as well. I think you could you could you could be an evil character who, if you really inspect it, isn't real life evil. It's just got some cartoony elements that are kind of evil tropes, mm-hmm. like a, a maniacal laugh and a desire to take over the world yeah. and stuff. But it's just kind of cartoony, isn't it? It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not like the actual, really horrible stuff that people really do to each other in real life. Yeah,
2: well, I did base that Lark character a little bit off Pretty Patel as well. She very much had those right. vibes <laughs> because okay. I love that. <laughs> so yeah, so you can, but yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs>
2: and you see, wow. Now I'm saying what i was saying. So,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: My people are better yeah. than your people. I will protect them at all costs. Yeah. Those people are vermin and not. Real and worthy.
0: So do you you you're just totally not into optimizing a character at all. It just doesn't interest you in the slightest.
2: Uh, y- that's correct.
0: Mm. So yeah, I, I quite like it, but I, not to the extent that some people do. I, in- I think I'm I'm kind of I'd like it to be seventy five percent optimized, but I'm happy there.
2: I mean, I I always say my character's in no way optimized, but I I like to make interesting choices. I really like doing level up because there's so many choices to make where you customise mm-hmm. your character. And I was able to customise mm. my character, who, again, is a rogue, which I like playing, apparently.
0: But it's a twelfth level rogue, so you've oh, got like 12-levels worth of choices. So to, yeah. It was
2: great. I spent the whole afternoon and evening sitting down, going through it. To, and you don't have to spend that long. It's just I was... I had never made a twelfth level character. And normally, you'd start at a lower level and build it up, but yeah, mm. that's not what we did. Yeah, and all the choices made it feel like more role-play decisions for the feats mm. I took. Like, all of her... Uh, combat maneuvers are the ones that are like oh well when i'm attacking you i also secretly pickpocket this off you or do this Mm. or or i for the charisma side of things she's like oh i have a thing where i can distract the um the enemy by doing something and then that gives my uh, advantage so i all picked all stuff like that so she's not a useless character like she's she's good in combat and does things but i didn't approach it from by going okay what is the way I can do the most amount of damage mm. attacking? What feats would enable me to do that? Mm. But I think some people enjoy yeah. that because that's almost like a, a puzzle, figuring that
0: yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know some people love optimising. Right. I know there's entire like communities of people that optimise characters. Uh, that I just want this to be the fastest character I could possibly make. Yeah. What combination of things will get my speed up as high as possible. And people go, right, you want to take three levels in this class and three levels in that class. You need that feat and you need this and that, you know, and things like that. Which is something some people really like to do. So Yeah,
2: and I'm grateful for that because that is how I made my healer rogue character because I hadn't Mm. thought about the combo of the healer and the fast hands. That was something that I saw online. Someone was like, if you do this combo, it lets you do that. And I was like, yes, thank you. I'll take that and I can use that.
0: That's not necessarily something you would have come up with yourself.
2: I don't know if I would have... I would have just assumed it wouldn't be possible to make a rogue an efficient yeah. healer. Yeah. I would I mean. have made that assumption. But only because somebody sat and figured out that puzzle, as I'll call it, mm. I was able to yeah. do that.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of things you just don't know to look for something if you don't know what it is you don't know. Exactly. So if it doesn't even occur to you that there's a thing that would do that, it wouldn't occur to you to think to look for a thing that would exactly. do
2: that. Which is why we need those... Uh, the pe- I think the community definitely benefits from having different styles of role players. Mm. Because, you know, people that really enjoy making an optimized character and doing that find these really interesting things, that even though me as a person who is more like a washed-up theater kid style role player, <laughs> i <I'll Right. say, laughs> I still benefit from that and get the, the things for that. And I think if you're if you enjoy optimising your character and that side of things well, I think you can still really enjoy people other people's characters yeah. who are more centred around role play. But it all depends the on the publish- table and what you're trying to do. From the to-
0: publishing point of view, of course, mechanical stuff's much easier to set. Yeah. Because people kind of feel they can do the other bits themselves, but the mechanical bit is the bit they want to buy off the publisher.
2: Oh yeah, as a publisher, like that yeah, yeah, yeah that's what we're there to do. We're there to provide the mechanics. And sometimes the rules can Help guide you to do role play because some people that have never done role playing before are like, mm. "How do I approach that side of things?"
0: Yeah, especially in golf, isn't it? It's, uh, yeah, yeah,
2: but there's different. I right? mean,
0: some people. I mean, some people just aren't comfortable doing that at all. Mm. I mean, there are people that will play a game and they won't do any role. you won't do any role playing. That's a really gatekeeping way to say it. Um, what there's I mean, if they won't, styles, yeah. they won't. Yeah, they won't. They won't engaging in the character in that manner at all? Yeah, because they're just not comfortable with it. They don't like it. That's not their that style. You know, there's there's people that just won't do that. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I've I've, I've run groups that have a mix of those people. Yeah,
2: and that works. I've I've had yeah. tables like that because we have for me like if I'm a, playing a charisma character and they're like you need to go mm. and talk to the guard, I will just talk as if my character would not try and talk to the guard. But yeah. other people might go, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to them and I'm going to try and... C- they describe what they do, They like, mm. and they're going to use their knowledge of this and that to try and convince them, and then they roll.
0: And then they're going to make it a, a, a dice roll.
2: Yeah. Whereas generally yeah. what I do is like, I'm going to try and convince them. I do the dice roll, see what the score is, and then I pitch my role play for that
0: level. Oh, right, you do it that way round.
2: If I'm doing a persuasion yeah. or a charisma thing, yeah, because then if I roll really low, it can be funny
0: right gotcha
2: yeah yeah so i can because yeah. if i'm trying to like deceive someone and lie and i roll very badly mm-hmm. they'll be like did you do that i'll be like and i roll a one i'm like no
0: <laughs> so yeah, you I can that's yeah a, that's a good way around to do it i think most people do it the other way around yeah and they'll, they'll do the role playing and the gm will sort of say oh that was really good you can have an extra plus two or you can have whatever because done that.
2: Of i've done that as well we do that a lot with intelligence and ideas and investigation because mm. there's a player on my table, John, who he's really good at solving puzzles and figuring out the big plot line story. So out of character, yeah. he'll sometimes go, oh, hang on, I've just connected the dots and this, this, and this. Is this linked? And then my GM's like, well done, have an inspiration point you can use later. Because as a player, yeah. he's figured out something.
0: Yeah. But then sometimes you end up with players being better at the thing than their character is. Mm -hmm. And would the character figure that out? Or would the character be as that? A player is really argumentative and persuasive, whereas their character only has an eight charisma. Would the character have been able to say the things that the player just did?
2: Yeah, you've got to pitch your roleplay in that way as well. Yeah um usually because i enjoy that side of role player i put more charisma into my characters so i can do that but Mm. yeah i think you you've got to think that way as well with intelligence checks and ideas our table is very open and what we generally say is go as a player i've had an idea but my character wouldn't think of this this is my idea Mm. would anyone else's character think of that and someone else will go oh yeah actually so and so would have this law so they'd be already able to figure it out so then i give that idea and that character presents it that's what we kind of do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense.
2: Yeah, because my character is generally not very smart, but that works quite well because me as a player, I'm not that smart, so I don't come up with those ideas anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes, Self, so very
0: self-deprecating. Well, it's
2: you know you've got to know your strengths <laughs> and weaknesses, but like, but yeah, no, I know like uh, I'm not, I don't know, I also don't take very high intelligence uh, things because I generally, when I'm playing D and D, I don't, as a player, know a lot of the law and a lot of the history and all the spells mm. and stuff, so I don't. Put Do you know, I think I've
0: never played a high strength character. For some Neither reason. I. I don't know why. I think I'll, maybe I'll make my next one a high strength character just for a change. Because I just, I don't know, I don't think it's a conscious thing. I don't deliberately mm-hmm. do that. But thinking back, can't think of a single high strength character I've ever played.
2: Yeah. I think for me that I mostly play D&D in campaigns and we're going to play them for a really long time. So mm. I lean into things that I know I'm going to enjoy playing. Like if I did it's going to be fun for a long time. Yeah, yeah, if I did a one-shot, more one-shots, use because most of the one-shots I play aren't D&D. they are other systems that I'm trying mm. out because I love other Yeah,
0: going Hulk Smash is good for an hour, but for four years yeah, you can get a little exactly. bit tedious. Yeah, exactly. I think
2: Ace is great for that. Like the awfully cheerful engine behind me, I'm just looking mm. at it. Because it can be played as like a little one-shot. Yeah. I could play a stupid strong character and that would be fun because we might play for four yeah. or five hours.
0: But I don't think I'd
2: want to commit to that yeah. for years.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go. I think we talked about that.
2: How we approach character creation. That
0: but, but has been one and truly talked about. There we go. There we go. First. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we're done then. Yep. Yeah, I think so. We are done. All
1: right. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here.
2: Exactly. Well, yeah, it depends. But as it's well known on Doctor Who, sometimes weird things go together, like fish fingers and custard.
0: Yeah, I tried that. Did you? Doesn't work.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let us see.
0: I do like fish fingers, and I do like custard. Well,
2: yeah, two together. Great, then. That's how... I
0: I had decided that I like them separate.
2: That's how things work.
0: Come to that conclusion.
2: (laughs) Okay, fair enough, fair enough.